And I think that's what kind of relationship God wants with all of us. You know, he, 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 you know, just for example, he speaks to Moses face to face in Exodus 33 and 11. But in those frames, he wants that face to face, intimate one on one relationship with each and every one of us as humankind. That's the reason he likes to look upon himself. He made us in his image. Genesis 1 and 26. Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonnewell. All right, welcome back, listeners. Listen, if you have been paying attention as Allah listening to the past couple of podcasts, you probably like, I cannot wait to see what they're going to say about this other phase of relationship. Uh, Instead of being stuck in the first two, how do I get to how do I progress towards this last thing, which they're going to be talking about? Um, And that thing today is true friendship with the Lord. Listen. Kelly, me and you last time were talking about um, what it means to be stuck in this phase or stage of, of, of servanthood, you know, and we were talking about and culminated this in a phase of talking about the Apostle Peter. You know, when we see the Apostle Peter, sometimes you see statues of him and how great a man he was. He shared the gospel of the churches based off of Peter. Yeah, the church is based off of Peter and and in 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 Peter's own relationship with Jesus. As you begin to talk about this, you shared how he was very judgmental, very arrogant, you know, who he didn't have the greatest relationships with people, you know, and in those frames of how he navigated things, you know, his rigidity even with Jesus in a in a crucial critical moment. He talked about how Peter is in a space where he's like I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to do anything that would ever cause a, 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 a schism in our relationship. And yet he does. And you, and you ended the podcast. Again, if you haven't listened to this, you got to check it out. It's the podcast right before this one a couple of weeks ago. And he ended it by talking about how in this space, Peter goes away, weeps bitterly. Because while he was pointing the finger at everybody else saying they're going to be the ones to deny you. Here he is. Rooster Crows. I denied Jesus, even in my strict servanthood of trying to be the one that follows after Jesus, because I think it's about rules over relationship. He screws up. And sometimes the thing about servants is, you know, when we screw up, we hide. When we when we when we don't give grace to others, we then also think we don't have grace for ourselves mm-hmm. or God has grace for us. Good line. And so in that moment, here's Peter and he's going away. But I, I had to think about this also. Again, this is a marriage podcast. I thought about Peter in this instance and we were talking about this, how Peter, he's married. Yeah, he is married. He, he's a married man. Mm-hmm. And he's not only, I would think, maybe a servant in his relationship with Jesus, but he's probably, you know, very rigid in this uh, relationship with his wife, more than likely. Oh, uh, definite, <laughs> definite. I mean, if he's a servant with right, Jesus, right. he's a servant with Helen, his wife, or whatever her name was. <laughs> My Keisha, for me. Yeah. Yeah. My Keisha. Uh, and uh, and in this particular frame, here he is, here he is, he probably, you know, in his experience, and you'll talk about this, he probably goes home in this moment of, of shame, in this moment of like, how could I have done this? And he goes home to his wife. But I can imagine that in this moment of brokenness, where he knows that, man, I can't believe I just denied the creator of the universe. He goes home to a wife who maybe is grace filled, mm-hmm. who is probably the opposite of who he is in this particular phase, maybe. And this impacts his marriage, probably for the positive. Mm-hmm. And I know that we'll talk a little bit more about this because again, individual context here, but guess what? It's, it's circular, meaning that what impacts you individually impacts your marriage. Mm-hmm. And he has this frame of in huge denial of what's go- he's going through but then God begins to work through this piece in his life. And now, Kelly, you've got more for us about what this actually means to be in friendship. Yeah, yeah. So, Samuel, I think this maybe is 
for me, this is the most amazing story in yeah. all of the Bible. Yeah. So again, backdrop. Uh, Peter denies Jesus three times. Uh, Jesus dies. I think Peter thinks he's dead, dead, not coming back. And uh, at this point, we know this. Jesus is crucified in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But Peter's from Galilee, and Galilee mm-hmm. is kind of far away, mm-hmm. especially if you got to walk it. And so what Peter does is he goes back, and we, we know this. He goes back, and he goes back to fishing. Mm. So on some level, I think, again, because Peter was a rule follower, he thought, okay, I guess my relationship with Jesus is done. Mm. And so I'm going to go back and go fishing. Because remember, Jesus also said, hey, Pete, I'm going to make you fisher of men. Not fish, fisher of men. (laughs) But he had given up on that hope. And so... Part one of this beautiful story is Jesus is resurrected. He spends a little bit of time in Jerusalem. And then it's him who has to go to Galilee. Mm. And he has to have a conversation Mm. with Peter. Mm. And it's, I think, the most beautiful conversation in all of the Bible. So they meet on a beach. And in the story... They're fishing. Peter's fishing with uh, some, actually, some of the other disciples. And a little kind of strange anecdote about this. And again, we got to remember the gospels are historical documents. And every now and then they'll throw something at you that says, hey, this really happened. (laughs) So, for example, when Peter Lop, you mentioned it the last episode, Peter cuts off one of the servant when Jesus is being captured. Mm-hmm. He takes out his sword and, and cuts off this guy's ear. Chop, chop. Well, they name him. His name's Malchus. Mm. You know, this weird incident, and they <laughs> name him. Well, we have the same thing happening here, and it says they caught 153 fish. <laughs> okay? Yeah. They counted them out, and they added it to the Bible. I think that's so cool. But... As we dive into this story, Jesus meets uh, Peter at the Sea of Galilee, and one of my bucket lists, Samuel, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before, Uh I stood on this beach, Uh and it was a very holy experience. Um, But anyway, so, but with this story, here's the challenge with this story, you need to know Greek to fully understand what's happening here. And our English Bibles don't do a good job of translating what this conversation is all about. So, uh, in the story, Jesus asks Peter three questions. And they're all the same question. And almost all English Bibles interpret it this way. Jesus asks Peter, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Mm. And Peter answers back, I do love you. <laughs> if you, if you, some, I think the NIV, the way it translates it, Jesus asked the three times, or the two times, Peter, do you truly love me? Yeah. Emphasis. And, in, and then Peter answers back, I love you. But that's not, our English just does not have the nuances that the Greek have. Yeah. So with that, Uh, You have to understand the Greek with what's happening here. Mm -hmm. And you need to understand two words. And we've talked about them before, but we're talking about them very differently now. Mm. Because we've talked about them in the context of marriage, but now we're talking about about these words in the context of this story. Mm. And they're used differently than how we've used them in the past. So the first word is agapi. Okay? Mm. Agapi. Mm. Agapi is... Uh, the highest love you can have. It's Jesus on the cross. Mm. It is self-sacrificing. Mm. Again, it's the highest love. Mm. No other type of love in the Greek compares to agape. Mm-hmm. Even to the point in the New Testament, it says God is agape. Uh-huh. Okay? Okay. Now, here's the other word. Totally different word. And this word is philos. If I had to interpret it, 
Uh, it is not like agape at all. And I'll, and I'll use Aristotle to share what, how Aristotle viewed this word. So, philos, Samuel, is a type of love a merchant has for you when you go into his store to buy something. So, for example, you said a merchant. We'll bring it real time. If if I came into a store, a local store here, and uh, a, a person comes up to me, how can I help you today, sir? And because they want me to buy something. So they really, Absolutely. They don't really care about me. They just want me to buy the product. Yeah. It's that's, a selfish love. That's feet. Okay, Samuel. That's feet. Okay. You look so awesome in that suit. Thank you. Do you want to buy one or do you want to buy two? Well, now that you said I like awesome, I'm going to buy two. Okay. <laughs> is that agape? <laughs> right. No, that's, no. that's Philos. Right. Okay. Here's another one. Okay. This one is even more blunt. Huh. It's a love-hate relationship. Hmm. So now we think of Cain and Abel. Hmm. Was that a good relationship? Was that good love? No. No. Yeah. One of those brothers ended up dead, right? <laughs> exactly. It was hate. And so when we're reading the scriptures in uh, where, there, where Jesus and Peter are having this conversation, this is how it goes down. Jesus asked Peter, hey, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter comes back and he says, basically, if we were to interpret it correctly, it would be like, Lord, I philos you, mm. meaning uh, I kind of love you like Cain loved Abel, mm. kind of loved you like a merchant coming into a store mm. if you were going to buy a suit, but no, I don't really love you at all. And then it happens again. Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter goes back to philos. Lord, no. I don't love you at all. The very first time I read the third time this happens, Mm -hmm. it blew me away. Because the third time, Jesus comes back and he says, Peter, do you philos me? Mm. Do you not love me at all? Peter doesn't go to agape. He stays with philos. Basically comes back and he tells Jesus... I don't love you at all. Now, remember, Hmm. a couple days earlier, he's demanding to Jesus, I agape you. Hmm. I will die with you. Mm -hmm. And so there's this passage has a beauty to it because on the one hand, Jesus is testing Peter. But on the other hand, at the same time, he is lowering, lowering Peter's expectations of himself. And is teaching Peter the basics of self-forgiveness. He's essentially saying this, and he says this to all of us. If you want to move into friendship, this is a key, key way to do it. Essentially, he is saying to Peter, Peter, you will never perfectly love me in this life. Man. You're a very fallen person. You're broken. It ain't going to happen. We can learn this from Peter. Each of us loves Jesus in a small way, and that is okay. Once we accept that, this is when great things can happen in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes me think of uh, Peter's last words that he wrote in his book. He wrote two letters that Mm -hmm. we have. He probably wrote more. Yeah, first and second Peter. Yep. Mm -hmm. But in that second letter, he simply ends the letter this way. He says, but grow in the grace... Ah, <laughs> and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's personal. That's personal. That's personal. For a man who we talked about in the previous episode, who is walking as a servant to to Jesus, in a sense, out of his relegation and relative and rule-based duty to Jesus. Here is a man who finally, through self-reflection, And a conversation with Jesus has a moment where he begins to understand for himself the ultimate grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus and what that means for him. Because he had to find this process where he's like, oh, I am wrong. I did do wrong. And maybe I was judging others wrongly. But now I've come to the realization (laughs) <laughs> that it is by grace I have been saved through faith. It's like, it's like here's this moment where he has true 
grace experience. And he then ends his letter, like you just said, in that moment of realization of that. But grow in grace and knowledge of our, like that speaks so many volumes mm-hmm. for someone to experience like, oh, this is what it means to be in friendship with the Lord and to truly find and, and come into a place of what agape or agapo really means. That's something there. I, I, I think about the characters in the Bible that we talk about so many times, you know, even beyond Peter Kelly. Where we where we see these these people that we look up to in our faith, um, and you know we've we've talked about the people who you know personified believing you know in their stages. Um, we talked about the people who were were servants in their stages, <clears throat> but where are the people who are friends? The first person we see in the Bible is like this is a friend of God is Abraham. <laughs> Abraham, definitely. Abraham, Abraham. You can find him in Genesis twelve, chapter twelve through chapter twenty five. You can find this story. You know, in, in Abraham, he's a guy who is imperfect. <laughs> he's a liar, <laughs> cheater, <laughs> right? Give up his own wife, right? To, to live, to save his life, right? But in those same moments, here he is. He leaves his hometown. He leaves his family to follow the voice of the Lord. And in his moments of even doubt, of discretion, of I'm not going to have kids. You promised me kids. Here's a a real man who lived just like us, who found that, you know what? Even when I fell short, even when I didn't know what to do as being the father of many nations, I followed after Jesus and Jesus. God in that moment called me friend. <laughs> you know, you have another example. You think about Joseph, the, the, you know, you think about Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat, you know, think about all the movies of Joseph. I'm doing a lot of movies cause I watch them too many times, but uh, like, I think about Joseph. I love, I love the references, Samuel. I love them. <laughs> right. I've seen too many movies, but Joseph in his moments of here's a guy who's, the promise, the promised one. Yes, Joseph's here, but his brothers absolutely have a disdain for this brother. They're like, we're going to throw you in a pit and leave you to whatever comes to get you. Gets picked up, goes to Egypt, goes to prison, getting chased out of houses by people's wives. Like all the things he has every stuff. He has every reason to to to, to not follow after anyone or be in a relationship with the Lord. And even in those moments, you know, he maybe was in a believer stage at one point in time in his life, right? Here's Joseph. But then over the course of time, here he goes full circle. Here's his family comes back in need. He can walk as a servant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd be like, you know what? Y'all screwed me over. I'm screwed you over. I have no grace for you. But in his relationship with the Lord, I think that there is this time and place where Joseph and his story is in Genesis 37 through 50, those chapters. Here he is in his moment of like, no, I've been given grace. So let me be given grace. And he could only do that as a byproduct of his relationship with the Lord and in being a friend with the Lord. There's so many other examples. Moses, David, Elijah, Ruth. Ruth has her own chapter named after her own book named after her. Like where these people, just to name a few where we notice how they have deep, flawed relationships with other people or things that are going on in their own lives, but yet they're following after the deep, intimate, close relationship, transparent, vulnerable relationship with God. And and I think that's what kind of relationship God wants with all of us. You know, he, he, he you know, just for example, he speaks to Moses face-to-face in Exodus 33 and 11, but in those frames, he wants that face-to-face, intimate, one-on-one relationship with each and every one of us as humankind. That's the reason he likes to look upon himself. He made us in his image, Genesis 1 and 26. Man, I'm, I, I, I loved you so much that I created you in my own likeness. So why wouldn't I want to have conversation with myself? Ooh. I, I could preach, but I'm yeah, not. I'm can. not. I'm not going to so preach today. <laughs> and and that's that. Without a doubt, Samuel, that's the beautiful Man. image that Man. we can focus on. I love that verse you shared. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks, speaks with, with his, his friend. friend. So good. That's the relationship for our listeners. That's the relationship God wants with you. So. Let's talk about a couple of ways where maybe if you feel like, yeah, I don't know if I am friends with God. Mm-hmm. Here's some key ways that uh, that you can can make that happen. So 
beyond just becoming more dedicated in mm-hmm. your relationship with God, mm-hmm. and as we talked about with the believer, being dedicated and devoting time, like mm-hmm. where's your devotion? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm married to Julie. I speak to Julie every day, multiple times during the day. I hang out with her. Mm-hmm. That's the same relationship God wants to have with me, and that's the same relationship God wants to have with you. But here's a couple that Samuel and I are going to share. And the first one for me is, and we're going to have to talk about this one for a little bit, know that you are a saint and know that you are a sinner. Mm. So what is a saint? We don't always use that word unless you're Catholic or Orthodox. Mm -hmm. Uh, This past week I read this and I really liked what it said. A saint is a person who is recognized as having an exceptional degree of holiness, likeness, and closeness to God. If you are a friend of Jesus, that defines who you are. Mm. If you are a friend of Jesus in your life, you are going to be do amazing things, and you will have a special relationship with God, and God promises this. The other part of that, too, which I wish we could spend more time, because this is like a very, very key one that yeah. we haven't spent a lot of time about, but you are created in God's image. Mm. You are like a very, very unique creation beyond any other creation that God has ever made or will make. Yeah. So, like, for example, God did not make the angels in his image. He made us in his image. Mm-hmm. So there's something special about mm. us as a creation, and he's given us unique gifts and skills in our lives that we we need to push into in our lives. Mm. So, but on the flip side, I've got some bad news too. Mm-hmm. So you're a saint, but you're also a sinner. Mm. Uh, there's never going to be a day where I am without sin. I'm always going to have to keep my eyes on it. Otherwise, it can overtake my life. I've used this verse, uh, listeners, with you often throughout uh, many of different episodes. I really love Paul's line where he says he is the worst of sinners. Because what that says to me is that Paul's sharing that we all are the worst of sinners. And we always need to be mindful of that. When you follow Christ, you will have the ability to say you are wrong or were wrong, and you will know how to apologize. Mm. If you don't know how to apologize, you might not be a friend, Mm. because friends know how How to to apologize. apologize. And then lastly on this one, consistently look at your life and find areas where you need to heal and grow or mature. What do I mean by that? Mm -hmm. So within all of our lives— There's places where we need to heal, and what I mean by that is there are things that were done to us, some more than others, Uh, there were things that were done to us, or we made really poor choices in our own lives, and there needs to come a healing with that, okay? Mm. And, uh, but beyond that, God also requires us to be more mature, Mm. And to grow, mature means simply I need to become more of an adult, Mm -hmm. okay? And, uh, you know, I'm older now, and when Julie and I have been married 27 years, I'll give you one area where I've matured, and I'm still maturing. Uh, When I married Julie, uh, I had a pretty big anger problem. When I was single, I didn't have an anger problem at all. Hmm. I was really chill, didn't get angry. But when I had children and when I got married, the stakes were higher. And there was an anger that came out of me that, in a way, shocked me. But at the same time, I had to acknowledge. In fact, I had an experience with Micah that really God used to have a come-to-Jesus talk with Kelly. Yeah. Micah looks a lot like me. I've seen him. He does. (laughs) And he really looked a lot like me when he was a boy. And I remember this incident in our garage in which I screamed at him. And uh, and when I screamed at him, what happened there, Samuel, is I saw me in him. Mm. 
I saw this little boy looking mm-hmm. at, back at me terrified because I'm screaming at him for something stupid. It was something stupid. And right after that incident, the Lord very clearly spoke to me and said, dude, you need to get help. Mm. Now, in that anger problem, it required healing. My dad was a screamer. And so I, in part, learned it from him. So I had to deal with that. Mm. I had to deal with that aspect and find some healing there. Mm. But I also had to deal with some maturity and growth. Mm. Adults, if you're going to be an adult, you don't scream at others. Mm. That's immature. Yeah. So I had to become more mature. So that's what friends do. They realize that they're a saint, they're awesome, and they're this amazing creation, going to do great things for God. But they're also a very flawed creature, a very flawed person who has the capacity to do great evil. Ah, I just want to let that breathe a second because – there's so many tangents I could literally go off of um, tangents, meaning just kind of just thought processes from what you just said in those moments, just various experiences I personally even had. Um, but just to keep us on track, I'll keep going. But I just I think that there's so much there, Kelly, in terms of what it means to be a friend, what it means to have been a saint, but to also be a sinner and recognize the grace of God and the healing aspect of God, the aspect of maturing in your faith. Um, but yet in it, it's almost like there's this, there's this thought process I had. It's so funny, you know, in our maturity, many cases, how people look at maturity is to become an adult in and of themselves. But really what maturity is saying, you're growing in your relationship with Christ. And in a sense, you can't come to Christ unless you come to him as a child. <laughs> And yet we think about, well, the Bible says put away childish things. Yes, in context, because the more you grow in your relationship with the Lord, the more you become childlike because you begin to have faith and your experience and expression of faith that begins to help you grow with him, not apart from him, looking at him at, in the distance. There's something about it's like a cycle that ends up happening. <laughs> and, and you know what? Yeah. It, it brings up a great point. There's this great word. I love this word. Yeah. And the word is oxymoron. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay? Come on. I love that word. Come on, Kelly. Oxymoron. And you na- you mentioned an oxymoron. Uh-huh. Okay? So saint and sinner is an oxymoron. Uh-huh. Okay? They're uh-huh. two things that are opposite but true. A real simple oxymoron <laughs> is bittersweet. Uh-huh. Okay? That's an oxymoron. But you said something that's an oxymoron. In the one hand, we need to, we are children of God. Come on, come okay? on. Okay? Yep. We need to be childlike. Uh-huh. But then also Paul yep. talks about how we need to move beyond being like a child sure and does. be more mature and like an adult. Sure does. It's something, it's, it's so, when you like talk, start talking about scripture, it starts to speak to you where you're at and it helps you grow. And your faith, and this is where we're at, how not to get stuck mm-hmm. <laughs> in your faith. And I think here's another piece, I think, just to kind of keep this moving, we get to the space where um, um, we have to learn how to see what actually it looks like to bear fruit in our relationship with the Lord. Because if you're a true friend, there's these aspects where we truly bear Christ-like fruits. His nature, his characteristics come out. And when you look at the most intimate relationships, you know, this is what bearing fruit looks like. It becomes the real you. What is it that you cast out? What is it that you kind of give? And, you know, you can think about, oh, what, what are the fruits of the spirit? Love. Joy. Peace. Long suffering. <laughs> right. And, and the Bible begins to talk about this. You know, I think it was in Galatians, right? Uh, Galatians chapter five. Um, and if I misquote that, you can find it. No, but it is. Galatians 523. Chapter, there you go. Galatians five. And it talks about these particular fruits of the spirit, because if you're truly walking in a relationship with the Lord and in a friendship with the Lord. Yeah. Remember, he made you in his image. And so in order for his image to come through, there are certain aspects about your relationship with him that actually come through you in relationship to how you treat people. Do you love your neighbor like you love yourself in terms of how you, you know, are walking across daily? It's not to say that, oh, man, I had a bad day today. It doesn't mean that 
you can't be joyful. It doesn't mean that joy isn't coming through your nature. It just means that, yeah, you are human. You experience bad times. But does the joy of the Lord continually imbue you with the ability to say, you know what? It's because of what he did. It's because of my experience and my relationship with him that I have this joy, even though there are times I've been in trouble. Is it in spaces where you're working and walking in worry and worries controlling you in a space? And, you know, just to go mental health a little bit, worries controlling you. But guess what? The peace of the Lord begins to be able to be a place where you can have actual true control because the control isn't yours. It's God's control in giving you a place of serenity and solemnity and peace and that his peace begins to be the nature of what he is and what he's doing inside of you as a person. And so then, therefore, those characteristics begin to bear a part of your life when you're in friendship and relationship with the Lord, even in your very humanistic <laughs> thought process and ways of life. It begins to kind of push out. And so, the, and so there then for there, there. So therefore, then <laughs> we begin to change our false ideas about who God is, you know, and talk about we begin to talk about what we, you know, see as God in terms of him being our own father. And, you know, in a fatherly relationship, you know, some of us have some father wounds. You know, I, I want to address that first and foremost. We have these things of, well, I didn't have a good dad. And Kelly, that was, you know, part of your experience, you know, just how you experienced your dad. And, you know, other people can kind of, you know, see that as well in their relationship. But guess what? Here are some things about our God, our father that we follow. He's not harsh. Mm-mm. Right. He's one that really wants us to continue to learn how good he is and how deep, how wide, how long his love is for us. Right. Um, He's very grace oriented, meaning that, you know, when those cases when you were lost and you felt like you didn't have anybody to look to or you were self isolating, whatever that experience was, God begins to say, no, I'm here for you. I am a very present help in trouble. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is what his word begins to say to us and allows it to resonate for us when we begin to contemplate on a relationship with him. Revelation 2 and 17 says, I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. This means that, right, that our relationship with him is very personal. He gave Peter a new name, right? He says, Simon, I've called you Peter, right? He gave Saul a new name. Saul, I'm calling you Paul. He literally has these transformational moments that mark a mark in the sand and say, hey, I'm calling you to something greater in relationship with me and in friendship with me. And I'm naming that moment for you so that way you can believe what I'm saying for you in friendship. And lastly, I'll say this. If we really understand that God truly loves us and wants to have a relationship with us, we begin to go and discover what that purpose is for our lives. And just like Jesus did in his life, you know, how can you bring healing to others and serve others by laying down your life and, and sharing with others why he is worth following? And yet, unless you let that continually imbue and contemplate on that for yourself, he he wants, he wants and he desires for us to go after him. So in your exploration, here's a hint to Kelly's book, The End of All Exploration. In your exploration, here's a process where he says, hey, I have more of me for you, guess what? When you start in me, you end in me. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the one that really wants you to know all of who I am because after all, I created you in me. I love you. So why not get to know who I am and what that experience is like? It's the greatest love on earth. <laughs> Samuel, you are on your A game Listen. today, man. So uh, you are really preaching it. Uh, I'll give one more. Yeah. Uh, that would be a hallmark. There's many, many others. Uh, I talk about them in my book. And again, if you want a copy of my book, just email care and we'll email or send you one for free. Uh, but uh, friends of Jesus know how to live with grace and mystery. Mm. Let me talk about that. First, there, we talked a little bit about this with, with Peter. Uh, first, there's grace. Uh, we need to, as friends of Jesus, push into grace. And all grace is, Sam, is unmerited favor towards others. Mm. First for yourself and then directed towards others. Um, maybe here's a good question to ask yourself. 
how can I serve others who don't deserve it? This is something that God is really challenging me on right now in my life. And how can I serve others who don't deserve it? Here we can think of the prodigal son. Mm. You know, the prodigal son, he gets his inheritance. He goes off to a far town. He wastes it in a very short time. He goes back home and he thinks he's going to have to be a slave to his dad. (laughs) Get that word slave Mm -hmm, again, mm -hmm, right? mm Mm-hmm. He's going to have to serve his dad and mm-hmm. to serve his dad just rushes towards him, gives him a big hug and has a huge party for him. And that's how we need to sometimes be with people who don't deserve it. But then there's another way that if you're going to be a friend of Jesus, you've got to learn how to do this. And that is you got to learn how to be okay with mystery. There's a lot of mystery in life. Mm. Uh You know, I love what 1 Corinthians says. It says, for now we see through a glass darkly. That's what it's like to live this life. Have you ever looked, tried a a Coke bottle and looked through the Mm -hmm. end of a Coke bottle? You can't see see hardly anything. And that's a little bit how we view life. We don't have the full picture. And, And again, this can be freeing. We do not need to have all the answers to life's questions. Our lives, the lives that we live is complex, and God has a tremendous plan for our lives, for each of us. But at the same time, and I've already experienced this in my life, we will face tragedy and loss. Mm. My mom, a couple years ago, was killed in a car accident by a a person who was on heroin. And, uh, you know, why did that have to happen? Why are children suffering now in Afghanistan. Mm. There's big, big, big questions that we don't, we won't always have the answers and we need to be okay with that. And we, and we need to be okay. Friends are very comfortable in saying, I don't know. Mm. And, uh, and w- friends of Jesus can be okay with saying they don't have the, all the answers. Now with that, uh, those are some key ingredients of being a friend of Jesus, and there's, like I said, there's many more. But there's a character in the Bible that I want to talk about, Samuel, yeah, who for me exemplifies being a friend of Jesus. And we don't talk about him enough. And his name is Barnabas. Hmm. Do you know anything about Barnabas? A little bit. Um, I remember Barnabas being, uh, in fact, <laughs> uh, one of the, the earlier on in my my walk of faith. We talked about Barnabas being this guy that was known as the bridge builder, mm-hmm. right? And that's not only in trade, but also in relationship. And so here's a fun, fun story. Uh, I, I used to be a, a Christian hip hop artist, awesome. CHH. And my name, my hip hop name was called The Bridge. Really yes. cool. I didn't know all this. Yeah, I this know. is this cool. Is, this is like, and we never talked about this. In in vivo, you're learning more about me, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but I used to be called The Bridge because my whole premise of what I wanted to do with my hip-hop in, in Christian in Christendom was to share and create the bridge of hip-hop with secular audience and the Christian audience and kind of just give a wave of like, hey, this is a new thing. And I made beats and all this stuff. I did my own production. But in those frame, it was like, how can I share the gospel to people that don't look like me, people that don't listen to this type of music, but people that do also, and that they like, I like hip hop. And so it's called the bridge, but Barnabas, um, from what I understand about him, you know, you, you can read about him in the book of acts. Um, there's some important things about that, that I'm sure you're going to kind of talk about that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Barnabas is an amazing character in the Bible. We don't know a ton about him, mm-hmm. but there's some key things about him that really exemplify friendship. Uh, number one, he was from this small island that was right off of uh, the nation of Israel uh, called Cyprus. Uh-huh. He came from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. He was a wealthy dude. He was a Levite, so he was a priest, mm-hmm. and he was very serious about his faith. Most likely, he knew Jesus. Mm. Uh, but then when the church uh began after Jesus's resurrection and the church's beginning one of the cool things that it says is that uh a lot of people 
when the church first began, and it was really based on necessity because there was a lot of persecution in the church at that time. Uh, it says that the believers sold their goods or their land and they shared it among them. But we know this. Uh, Barnabas sold some, if not all, of his property and gave it to the church. Mm. I mean, just a, a friend's Friends of Jesus live lives of self-sacrifice. I think that's a learning lesson we learn of uh, about um, Barnabas. Barnabas, you mentioned this, Barnabas had his name changed. His real name was Joseph, uh-huh. but the disciples uh, made him an apostle, mm-hmm. and they gave him the name of Barnabas, uh, which basically Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I just get this... Whenever I picture Barnabas, I picture him like a really big teddy bear type of guy. <laughs> you know, that's how I've always pictured Barnabas. Right. And just very loving, very generous, and uh, but also very open. And this part is really important, too. Paul becomes a Christian. Saul becomes Paul, becomes a Christian. Now, remember, Saul's killing all these Christians, and so obviously— if you and I were in this story, we'd be very reluctant to hang out with Paul because <laughs> we're thinking he's just doing this so he can figure things out uh-huh. and he's going to and he's going to come after us. Uh-huh. It was Barnabas who got to know Paul and introduced him to all the apostles. So back to you, Samuel. He was a bridge builder, bridge builder. <laughs> and then the final story with. Barnabas, which again shows just how much he was a friend of Jesus, and I love this story. So Paul and Barnabas go on the first missionary journey, and they go with John Mark. John Mark is the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Right. But he was also the cousin of Barnabas. Get out of here. Yep. He was the cousin of Barnabas. I didn't actually know that. So they go on this missionary journey, and on the missionary journey, some persecution happens, Mm. and John Mark freaks out, and he heads back to Jerusalem. Mm. And this upset Paul big time. So when they got back, Paul was insistent that John Mark was not going on the next missionary journey. And again, going back to bridge builder or peacemaker, Barnabas believed in John Mark. So again, I think we as friends of Jesus, we believe in people, even though it doesn't look always so good. Mm. Right? He believed in John Mark. Even to the point, what he did is he went to Paul, or they kind of came to an agreement together and said, Paul, you go this way. With Timothy or with Silas, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go this way with John. Mark. I remember that in scripture; they sure did. And the mm. kind of a slightly sad part of that story: there's a good chance Paul and Barnabas, because Paul and Barnabas were very close friends. Mm-hmm. They maybe never ever saw one another again, because sadly, in 61, the year 61, Barnabas was on his homeland in Cyprus and a bunch of Jewish religious leaders had him murdered. Mm. And again, I think that final story, even though it's really sad, what Jesus says over and over, Mm. and that is we will lay our life down for our friend. And that's what Barnabas did for Jesus. He laid his life down for Jesus. Kind of final thing about that, about the bridge builder. And then uh, I want you to kind of summarize what we've been talking about. And that is this. We know this. Paul repaired his relationship with John Mark. Even to the point in one of his letters, he talks very kindly and warmly about him. So I think, again, that gets back to uh, people who are friends of Jesus are peacemakers. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So good. I just, you know, I just I had to sit here sometimes, Kelly, even in the podcast and just just reflect on what all this means. 
because we we think about this when we take time to actually do it and make this a, a, a critical part of journeying through our faith, not getting stuck, which we've spent three episodes. Hey, let's not get stuck here. Let's continue to journey and grow. And in that moment, like when you reflect on it, be like, oh, you know what? That is right. That is how we become um, closer in relationship with the Lord, but also closer, as you're saying here, in our relationship with others, because we as people of faith, a Christian faith, do not do life alone. We, we, we walk in grace and truth. And in that, we do these things out of understanding our own very independent relationship with the Lord and what he begins to do to change our hearts, our minds, and our souls and just continually helps us to grow. And so this wouldn't be together unless we brought it back to the space of how does this play off and play into your marriage? And I think that in kind of summarizing this, I mean, there's, there's probably multiple clues. Hopefully, Without a doubt. Hopefully over the course of three episodes that, that, that our listeners are picking up in, in order to help change the maybe trajectory of their own marriage. Um, because I think as we grow closer to each other, inevitably Jesus did promise that, we would become better people and love not only him, but others more deeply. Again, love God, but love your neighbor, which is your spouse, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. And so I think there's a couple of things that that I would say I have learned. Um, and I hope that our listeners have learned um, over the course of these three episodes. And one is I think that we have to learn and grow in being fully committed no matter what the cost is. Um, there's a scripture that you just talked about, you know, no greater love than that you would lay down your life for a friend. How about this? We substitute friend for your spouse. Mm-hmm. And how do you grow in not only your service to your spouse, but in terms of what does friendship look like with your wife? Do you not only, like you say, Kelly, love, but do you like your spouse? You've mm-hmm. probably heard that a million times if you've listened to it together. <laughs> Another one is, are you being graceful and forgiving with your spouse? There is something about when your husband and or wife screws up. Do you go, um, you know, super duper crazy on them and like, uh, well, you always do this or, you, or do you have a space where after you maybe come to yourself, <laughs> mm. taking the time to be like, OK, it's not the end of the world. Let me forgive them and also work towards when I screw up, forgiving myself. So that way I can get to the place of continuing in a great God-filled marriage. Another one, being truthful with your spouse, you know, especially where you believe you should change as a couple. I think that's crucial. That's critical in terms of being being able to be honest uh, when you're navigating obstacles and issues and problems, you know, also knowing where you get it wrong, right? Because guess what? Sometimes it's servanthood. We get in a space where, well, I'm not wrong. I'm right. I have my opinion. And we know arguments are my point of view versus your point of view. (laughs) But in those spaces, how do we get to places where, you know what? Baby, honey, I'm wrong sometimes. And I'm sorry. We talked about in the forgiveness podcast, how important it is when you're in true friendship with your spouse to work on those words. I am sorry please forgive me there's something to that um as a as a husband and wife and then lastly and this is a this is a a, a a critical one is being able to be in a space where you're a living sacrifice jesus our ultimate example was a living sacrifice um and he laid down his life for us and of course we have to do that actively actively it's a decision right kelly It's a decision to be a friend every single day, (laughs) every single day. You can choose to walk in. Oh, yeah, I just believe in the Lord. Oh, yeah, I just believe I'm a great husband, but, you know, I don't really do anything. Okay. Oh, yeah, I serve the Lord with vigor, mightiness. I am. I'm the I'm the servant of all servants. In fact, I volunteer to church every Sunday. You can't count me out. And then when I go home, I can't do nothing to serve my spouse. My goodness. Like in those moments, you start to see this play off into your life and you're like, okay, God, what is it that you truly want of me? Well, no, it's not what I truly want of you. It's what I truly want to get in relationship with you. 
And so that goes into plays into relationship with your spouse. And I think that those are things when we think about now bringing it back to the context of marriage, how important it is. Kelly, did you, did you have anything else you wanted to add into that? No, I think okay. what you said, Samuel, is so good. And uh, I think that, again, one of the things that the, the one final thing I would say, we were kind of referencing it to the, to the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. If you're going to be a friend of Jesus, you got to really focus on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, that's where Jesus says, uh, he says, if you're going to follow me, you will bear much fruit. Mm-hmm. What he meant by that is your character will literally change. And again, the way that we have to look at that in terms of uh, the relationship with our spouse, our spouse is our most close relationship we have in life. Mm-hmm. And again, we've said this before on other podcasts, the real you shows up in that relationship. It's a mirror. It's a mirror. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how, how patient are you or how long-suffering are you? How peaceful are you? So I think, uh, you know, just focus on those fruit. Mm -hmm. So good, Kelly. Listen, if you have enjoyed, maybe this is maybe even one of your favorite, favoritist podcasts. um, Again, don't hesitate to email us at care at Uh, Don't hesitate to reach out to us to be like, you know what? You said some things. I don't know if I agree. I do agree. Whatever that is, talk to us, email us conversate with us so we can you know answer some of those questions but also encourage you to be in friendship with the lord because that is what the lord wants listen next podcast is our final podcast of season two kelly and you won't want to miss this because we are going to bring to you jason and megan ross uh pastor east paris campus and we're going to end the podcast like we did season one and talking about their relationship We can't wait to hear from you. We can't wait to talk to you next time. This is Together. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your listening platform is and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.